Joseph, I'm just going to ask if um, you could mute yourself on Zoom or Zoom participants. That would be terrific. You won't have any kind of weird feedback or noises. Um, I'd like to welcome everybody. I'm still here. I'd like to welcome everybody today to Venetian Insight Meditation. We're a Theravadan Buddhist meditation group, and we've been here um, over 25 years now. Uh, I want to welcome everybody in person, and I'd like to welcome everybody in on Zoom. And thank you for coming. And I especially would like to welcome our teacher, Donald Rothberg, giving the second, the second half of uh, our two-part talk. No, I'm wondering, I don't think so, but is there anybody here for the first time? I don't think so. Yes. And I'm sorry, what your name was again? My name is Mike. So we can welcome Mike. He's here for the first time. Um, Mike, if you have any questions about Venetian Inside Meditation, that was the Or you can speak with one of us, Sarah, anyone here can give you the lowdown on Venetian Inside Meditation. Um, so are there any announcements? I don't think so right now. I will say this. We have one steering committee meeting coming up. If that's something that you would like to participate in, it will be August 20th in this room at 2 o'clock for an hour and a half. If you'd just like to come and be a part of that, um, see how we do things, you're more than welcome to come. So uh, next we have a uh, wonderful tradition here at Phoenician Insight Meditation where we each like to state our name. And we wait a few minutes, a few minutes, we wait a few a second or two, and then we move on to the next person who states their name. So we're going to start with the people in the room, and then we're going to move on to Zoom. And what will happen is I will say your name, and you will just wave and let us all know who you are when I say your name. And, um, and, uh, I'm doing two jobs today. I'm emceeing and I'm also watching Zoom, so um, I'm a little bit more off my game. Uh, okay, so let's get started. Sarah. Sarah. Susan. So does anyone have someone they like to put out for them? 
another one? It's going to be followed by a Donna talk, a tea break, and a Dharma talk with a Q&A. Hopefully Donald, if, that, if Donald would like to do that. Um, and now Sarah, if you would introduce our teacher. Okay. Um, last week I gave Donald quite a hearty introduction. Donald, should I give you the same introduction, or should I shorten it? Uh, your your call. I I think it was fine to fine to do it more or less like last time from my perspective. Like last time, okay. Donald is an old friend, having been our primary teacher for Venetia Sangha for two years, almost two decades ago. At that time, we had lost our founding teacher, Patrick Thornton and we're operating on the guest teacher model as we do now. We were thirsty for Donald's wisdom, his clear and practical teaching of the, of the Dharma. Fortunately, several pillars on the Sangha, including Megan Collin, mother of Laura Burgess, our teacher, one of our teachers, were able to convince Donald to be our primary teacher, which he was for several years. During those years that Donald was with us, he published his book, The Engaged Spiritual Life, A Buddhist Approach to Transforming Ourselves. And we had a book signing at our local bookshop. It was standing room only, and Donald autographed the book. Transforming the Judgmental Mind with one of them, and um, one of his uh subjects that he teaches about most. We met weekly in the Berkeley bungalow with the red Tibetan front door for several years, meditating, learning the Dharma, and sharing in front of Donald's fireplace in the living room. <laughs> we sat on the couch and he was on a cushion. These were rich times in our Sangha group. Donald confided that prior to finding Buddhist practice, he had considered himself a mind on a stick with no relationship to the body, despite having been a competitive swimmer. It soon became clear that Donald's star was rising. He became a member of the Spirit Rock Teachers Council, East Faith Meditation Center, and eventually took over the top spot at Philip Moffat's Maroon uh, Sangha. He took on regular teaching jobs in New York, LA, and Kentucky. During the years, Donald became a specialist 
and the area he wise speech is now mine, conflict resolution, loving kindness, and of course, socially engaged Buddhism. Having been a founder of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, it's a necessary part of his training, which included the PhD in philosophy. He has studied clown training, and Donald's clown name is Guru Garbanzo, <laughs> complete with a big red nose, which he puts on when in that incarnation. On a personal note, my practice grew deeply with Donald as primary teacher. No matter what your issue, he's got a practice that's helpful. I find this very comforting. Working the initials RAIN, R-A-I-N, has been especially helpful in dealing with strong emotions. Recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture with compassion. At one retreat at Spirit Rock, Donald became my advocate and protector after my having gone through a difficult encounter with a member of the staff. I urge each of you to go to Donald's website, donaldrockford.com, and take a look at this section on dialogue and discussion and also essays. A treasure chest of talks with a Sufi teacher and former Olympic swimmer at a fundraiser in the West Bank for mindfulness and nonviolence, and also a tribute with Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Vietnamese Zen teacher, available there with a link. We're honored to have you back, Donald, for the second time in a row. Welcome back. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. Good to be here. I'll do the greeting that I typically do on Zoom, also for people in person. Greetings. <laughs> if you want to do that in person, you can do that. And uh, just one, one small correction. I, I wasn't a founder of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. That was founded in 1978. And I, but I started working with it about 10 years after that. And I was part of the group that helped develop the uh, what we call the BASE program, which was uh, developing small group trainings. Uh, the Buddhist Alliance for Social Engagement. So I was part of, part of that. But thank you very much. And I, I'm actually speaking right now from a wing of my living room, Sarah, where we used to have our meetings. So uh, not far. Yeah, just I'm about two feet from my white couch that people used to sit on. So it's very good to uh, be with you again. We'll continue... Uh, exploring both in the meditation coming in a moment and in the talk and discussion this very central theme of the nature of dukkha which I, I'll translate in terms of its main or most uh, important meaning I think as reactivity dukkha and the end of dukkha the Buddha said I teach dukkha and the end of dukkha, and that could be could be said that this is the center, right at the center of all the teachings and all of the uh, Buddhist tradition. So we'll explore that uh, as we did two weeks ago. We'll start with about a half hour meditation, and I'll give some some brief guidance 
to explore with the th you know in terms of the theme of working with reactivity. So first of all, find a posture that works for you to be alert and relaxed for the next half hour. And set an intention for this meditation period. It could be to notice, to track for any moments of reactivity. And what I'll invite is first a period of settling. Could be being with the breath or practicing uh, loving kindness or metta. Whatever helps you to settle, we'll start with that. And I'll give a few short practices related to the theme of dukkha and the end of dukkha. Um, the first one I'll give related to the intention is to have a lookout in the next half hour for any moments of reactivity, understood in its two forms as any kind of pushing away of the unpleasant at the level of the body or thoughts or emotions, and any kind of grasping after the pleasant. Again, could be at the level of the body, but also could be through thoughts at the level of thinking or emotions. So track for and notice reactivity. If it comes up and it's in the workable range, bring mindfulness to it. And I'll come back in a little while, maybe about 10 minutes with a, a second uh, way of practicing with reactivity.
As we continue to sit quietly, I want to give a second practice that can be helpful for exploring reactivity and what leads to reactivity. This is related to the teachings given last time about that sequence going from the pleasant when we're not aware or mindful, going from the pleasant to wanting to grasping. Again, could be at the level of the body or emotions or thoughts. And on the parallel way, the movement that goes from the unpleasant to not wanting, and then in some way pushing away. Sometimes that happens virtually automatically. I have a sensation in my body, and I just react to it, push it away in some way. Similarly with a thought, a thought I don't like, and I just uh, virtually instantly come up with uh, a blaming of it or a judging, some way pushing it away. And so the guidance here would be to be on the lookout for a moderate or a little greater level of pleasant or unpleasant at the level of the body, emotions, thoughts. Be on the lookout for that sense of pleasant or unpleasant and then bring mindfulness to it. Notice any tendencies to go from pleasant to wanting to grasping or from unpleasant to not wanting to pushing away. Again, sometimes it'll happen very quickly. Sometimes you can be with the pleasant or unpleasant for a while before you notice anything like this. So here we're studying the origins of reactivity, just to bring mindfulness to the whole process. And again, the guideline is uh, do this when it's workable. The level of pleasant or unpleasant is in the workable range, not, not too much, not overwhelming. And so be on the lookout for that. It may not happen so often that there is a moderate or greater level of pleasant or unpleasant, but do be on the lookout for that and explore it when it comes up.
Again, as we continue to sit quietly, a further practice to explore reactivity. First, bring to mind an experience in the last few days, let's say, where there was some reactivity. Could be in the form of going against the unpleasant, could be perhaps being uh, judgmental or blaming, negative towards oneself or another, being reactive in relation to something that happened, could be in the form of grasping after something pleasant, something at the level of the body, perhaps even something like food, or could be uh, grasping after pleasant sensations in the body, pleasant thoughts, and so forth. So first bring to mind an example of reactivity on a scale of 1 to 10, from less to more intense, something that's at the level maybe of 5 or 6 or 7 or 8, not the most intense. So first bring it to mind. And then when you have the experience that you'll explore, bring it to mind as if you're reliving it for about a minute or so. Do that right now. Be in the particular location you were, by yourself or with others. Bring it to mind as if you're reliving it, this experience of reactivity. And now, as you're in the midst of that, bring mindfulness to that experience. What's happening at the level of the body? Stay there for a while. What emotion or emotions are present? And what thoughts are there?
then lastly reflect on what would be a skillful way to respond to this reactivity when it comes up in your experience in the particular situation. What's the skillful response look like? Now letting go of that reactivity, if you want to shake it out a little bit, you can do that. And coming back just to being present. Thank you, Donald. You're welcome. Sarah, you have to get the dog apart. Donna is a parent used in Buddhism to refer to the practice of generosity or giving. It's considered one of the foundational practices of Buddhism. Alongside moral conduct, Hema, and meditation, Nirvana. The act of giving in Buddhism is not limited to material gifts, but also includes the giving of time, energy, and compassion. Dana can be practiced in many ways, 
such as donating money to a charity, volunteering at a local organization, or simply offering kind words and support to someone in need. It helps to cultivate a sense of generosity and compassion toward others, which are considered important qualities for spiritual development. By giving to others, we develop a sense of interconnectedness and reduce our attachment to material possessions. We add that our teachers' livelihoods are supported by the Donna we give. Donna is also how we keep our doors open. Finally, we couldn't be sitting here without our steering committee and the other volunteers to keep this engine running. Consider how important this practice is to your daily life and give accordingly. If it isn't an option for you, remember the teachings are free and are offered in the spirit of generosity. We can practice gratitude for the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Thank you, Sarah. Um, so we're going to have about a 15-minute break. We'll come back right at 5 o'clock. I'd just like to say in regards to Donna, for our Zoom guests, you can go ahead to BenishaInsightMeditation.com. Right on the site there, there's a button for donations, and in the box, if you would specify the teacher's name, that would be terrific, so Donald receives the gifts that way. And for us that are in the room, we have our teacher basket and our sangha basket in the back. So thank you. We'll see you in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Susan. And we, uh, those of us on Zoom may miss, uh, when I was there two weeks, there were wonderful muffins. I remember those. <laughs> so may you have the counterpart of wonderful muffins at home. So we'll come back at the top of the hour. I'll ring bells uh, about a minute before we come back. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.